Turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I want to uh, uh, encourage you. I'm, thank, I'm encouraged by you that you showed up again. Uh, some of you were discouraged by last week. I told you you weren't that important. Um, and you still came back. I appreciate that. Uh, but it's true. It's true uh, that you and I aren't that important. Uh, what we are doing, uh, what we have, we have a very small uh, history in, in this life. We have a very small impact uh, to those who are our family and friends, the people that we know. Uh, but to see ourselves as uh, blown out of proportion, and one of the desires uh, for God, as He has shared with us from the book of Ecclesiastes, is that we would see who we are under the sun, who we are in this life, in this time, and really to get in perspective uh, what life is like down here. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more of that this morning. Um, uh, we are going to be talking about life under the sun. And I, I want to tell you that without knowing the God who created life down here, and without factoring in His eternal plan uh, that goes beyond life down here, uh, without acknowledging Him, uh, we're going to find the same things that Solomon, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, found as well. We're going to find confusion and frustration. And I want to encourage you. You say, well, that doesn't sound very encouraging. I want to tell you that for you to not look for significance in this life, to not uh, just look from side to side the things that you see, but that you would have relationship with the eternal God of the universe through His Son, Jesus Christ, that that would bring meaning to this life, that that will give you hope even in facing all the things that are frustrating and confusing. Um, this morning, we, uh, we are going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, starting at verse 11, okay? And uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read that to you from chapter 9, verse 11 to the end of the chapter. And God's Word says this, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at, at, a, at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I've also seen an example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. Uh, there was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words not heard. The words of the wise, uh, words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. 
Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you'd teach us now, encourage us uh, with the truth of what this life is all about. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My first point this morning is the unseen hand, the unseen hand. Now, uh, life is interesting. We look at the future. Uh, how, how many of you watch the weather? How many of you watch the weather? Do you know what it's supposed to be next hour? Next hour. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's, it's not as exciting uh, in the summertime, but in the wintertime, especially the early winter. Boy, is it exciting. You have a weather app. Some of you have multiple weather apps. You like to watch the, you know, the computer-generated screen with colors and stuff going across the map, and uh, you, you've got it all figured out, right? Um, we love the idea of projecting what will happen next. We like to think about that in terms of sports as well. We we think of. Uh, which team's going to win and why are they going to win? I, I don't know if you get excited about listening to sports radio. You like watching, listening to sports radio? I mean, they're convinced that this is the most earth-shaking game that just happened. And they've figured out what is going to happen next. And if the Lakers are even going to make the playoffs with LeBron. Like, like they think about these things and they do the math. In fact, uh, Especially, well, all sports, but there's, there's this place for the computer geek in sports these days where they, they chart things and they put them on charts and they can tell by math who's going to win and how's it going to play out. Um, we, we love it. We love it. And yet we look to the Word of God today and it speaks of the unseen hand. But it, maybe it doesn't speak of the unseen hand, but describes it. And, and as we look at uh, verse 11, he, he once again looks a, upon the world. He, he's checking the scoreboard, if you will. He's seeing how things are playing out. Uh, and as he looks out, he said he saw under the sun, and he saw really this idea that winners don't always win. He says the race is not for the swift or the fastest. Uh, you remember in, in school and where you, you know, kids in the class would line up and you always knew who the fastest kid was, right? And you always, you know, and he'd brag about it. And if someone said, we're going to have a race, you'd say in your mind, oh, he's racing the fastest kid. Some of you were the fastest kid. And that's kind of frustrating for me because I was not the fastest kid. But anyways... Um, you look at that and you do the math and you say, well, they have no chance of winning because they're racing the fastest kid. And so why even race? Because we already know what's going to happen. He says the race uh, is not to the swift. And then he goes, nor the battle to the strong. Uh, we look at and we size people up. We do this as well as nations as well, right? Uh, we say this nation is stronger than this nation, and so uh, we don't have to worry about this nation. But this nation, other nation over here, they're a lot stronger. So we we got to be careful. We're we're evaluating people. Who is the strongest? 
He says, nor the bread to the wise. Really, the one that can figure it out. Like, that, that idea that he would get the blessing of the food in the end. So you have the fastest, you have the strongest, you have the wisest. And then he says, uh, nor riches to the intelligent. Uh, uh, that, that idea that uh, if you're intelligent, if you are, you've gathered that together, uh, that somehow riches will come to you. And then lastly, in his list of winners don't always win, nor favor to those with knowledge. With knowledge. Uh, I would say it this way. Uh, nor favor to those who went to college, right? <laughs> who got the degree. It doesn't always work out that way. Just because uh, there's a certain measurement that we can look at and we say in our mind, ha, they're, they're number one, or they're the first or they're the best, or they're stronger than their opponent. He says winners don't always win. Uh, which is why uh, they still have games in sports, right? That's the reason why that you still have to take the test in college, right? You, you know, that's why things still need to be played out, because they don't always go with the math determined in our own mind. As we have sized people up, uh, we see these things. And I want to remind you that he's talking about under the sun. As he looks at it without uh, so much factoring God into it, this is what he sees. He sees areas over and over again that the strongest, the smartest, the richest, the, you know, he, he looks at all these places and things and he says, those people who seem to have don't always win. In fact, he says this, and I, I'm stalling because it, it, the word of God sometimes doesn't seem right to me. I'll confess that to you, that even as I, I, I read this, it says, that, it, he says, but time and chance happen to them all. Time and chance. I go, time and chance? Are you kidding me? That this life is just time and chance? I want to put it in perspective for you. I want to uh, give you the picture. He's looking at life under the sun. And the, the conclusion that without God, without considering the heavens and God's plan beyond this earth, that we can look around over and over again in different situations. And he says, uh, this is just times and chances. As we look at that, uh, you know, that that will make us feel uncomfortable, right? Times and chances. He gives us an example in verse 12. And uh, the example, uh, I want to tell you, is not a comforting one. Uh, it's not one that would say to you, oh, I feel a lot better after he explained it through this example. He says in verse 12, he says, For man does not know his time, like a fish that are taken in an evil net. So you picture this. Picture yourself a fish. Uh, you're swimming on the great, in the great Pacific Ocean or the, the great Four Island Lake, one of these great bodies of water that you can imagine. And you're swimming along, you're enjoying life as a fish does, and you're just, just hanging out, just hanging out. 
And then all of a sudden, uh, you're enjoying life, and then the next moment, you're in a net. And you say, how did, I didn't put the net, like, like I didn't, that, that wasn't on my agenda for the day. Like I was enjoying life. I still had, I, I had places to go, fishes to see, you know. I, I, was, I was doing things. And in a moment, in an instant, you went from being free to being caught and becoming someone's dinner. And he says, this is man. Man does not know his time. And he says, like the fish that are caught in this evil net, uh, you fishermen are evil. I just The scripture says so. Uh, evil net, okay? <clears throat> he uses a second example, very much like the first. He says, like the birds that are caught in a snare. So this picture here is now of the birds that they're going about in the same way. They're, they're flying around. They're pecking on the ground. They're, they're doing these things. And then they get caught in an instant. And they go from being free as a bird, right? Free as a bird to now being caught, getting ready to be uh, barbecued uh, and life over, right? This is the picture. And he says, so the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. This picture says this, and it puts two things together. The idea that somehow through strength, through wisdom, through uh, smarts and through uh, home and riches and all these other things, through, through building yourself up to be strong and powerful, that you can uh, decide what's going to happen in life. And then he puts next to it, he says, you know, sometimes those things don't work out. In fact, sometimes as man uh, does not expect, they become the one who's caught in the net. They become the one who's caught in a snare. Winners don't always win. And, And what we get here is this, that he says time and chance. Because apart from knowing God... This is what we say. Oh, it's just time and chance. It's an unknown time. In fact, he, uh, he even describes it. He says in repetition, it's an evil time. It's an evil time. Um, I, I know we all know the frustration of having plans and our plans being messed up by some out, outside event, right? We had our, our, our schedule set up. This is what we were going to do. These were the steps we were going to take. And then all of a sudden, our plans blew up, and we go, something bad happened. We refer to it as something bad. It's the same idea as this evil time. It wasn't on our schedule of things to do. This picture here is one, uh, and some commentators uh, suggest that he's speaking almost uh, more to nations than to individuals, but it's true of both, right? As you look at uh, the history of God's people, uh, from, from time to time, as God's plan is unveiled, what happens? Uh, they get taken over. They get taken into captivity. They lose battles. We can see in history, uh, you may have read about the great Roman Empire. Where is it? I've been looking for it lately. It's uh, the insignificant Roman Empire or the non-existent Roman Empire, right? 
the Greeks, the, the Romans, the, the Babylonians, the, uh, the Israelites, for that matter. You, you can look at history and you can see greatness, uh, strength, riches, wisdom, knowledge. We can see great civilizations that were brought down uh, in time in time by others less significant than themselves. And I don't profess to know what happens next in our our country, but I want to say uh, it seems to be true of us as well, right? It's not all about who's the strongest, who has the most money, who has the strongest economy, uh, who has the strongest politicians or whatever. It's not about that. There's an unseen hand at work. The nations and individuals. He says, time and chance. By the way, it's uh, rarely um, for us the right time, right? Uh, it doesn't go by our clock. We, we don't get to set up what happens next. It's interesting. We uh, many say, hey, good luck. Good luck. Uh, good luck. I hope luck shines on you today. And what they're saying is there's some force out there. There's something that it's some chance, if you will, that good stuff will happen to you. And I hope that that happens to you. It's not it's not a bad thing to say, but it just doesn't acknowledge or it acknowledges the unseen hand that there's not uh, we can't see what's going on here. It just happens upon us. It's the weatherman. Uh when it uh, rains, when we have an event, or uh, when it snows at the wrong time, or when it's too hot, some of you can blame. You, who do you blame? The weatherman, right? It's not a particular weatherman; it's just him, right? Uh, you blame him, and like they're like they were somehow in control of it, like this somehow could have made those things. Others would say it like this and. Uh, a catastrophe that would happen, they would say, oh, Mother Nature was angry. Uh, though no one's ever met her. Um, they would put, point that to her. And it's this idea that somebody's in charge of this. We just don't know who they are. The unseen hand. Someone must be controlling this. Under the sun. Somebody must be in charge of this thing under the sun uh, because it seems like in our minds, time and chance. It's just, uh, you know, the right time and the right place and chance. It just happened to uh, go that way. I want to tell you, um, I just want to stop for a moment and, and just share with you this. You need Jesus Christ to be your anchor. Because this description of life under the sun over and over again, it's this thing that I see, and I have the same frustrations that you do. I, I see the same things. I see the same things that Solomon said. And when he says them, I go, yeah, that's right. That's the, that is what it seems like. Yeah, that is frustrating. That is confusing. That causes me to say meaningless, meaningless. I see that uh, alongside him. But the, the only thing that can help you is Jesus Christ. That you would have relationship with the God of the universe. It's not stuck under the sun. 
that he would be the one to help you find meaning in this meaningless life. That he would be the one to give purpose to the events that show up on your calendar where you didn't plan them or want them. That he would be the one that would help you with courage to face the end of your life or the beginning of your life or the difficult days in the midst, right? That Jesus Christ would be the one. That he would be the one that you would walk with through this frightening, confusing, and frustrating life. It's an unseen hand, uh, and without understanding uh, who that is, we find ourselves uh, left with just time and chance. Time and chance. In verse 13, he follows up with this idea that wisdom wins. Wisdom wins. And he says, I've also seen, he's adding to what he has seen. He says, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. Uh, This is one of those tip-offs, once again, that there's something good that we should cling to in this life. It seemed great to me. There there was a, uh, and he, he gives this example of wisdom, this example of why wisdom wins. He says there was a, a little city, a little city. It might have been Tehachapi. Um, and a great king came against it. Uh, and once again, he goes back to this idea of uh, the math of it all. A great king, uh, a little city, insignificant. Uh, and, and he looks upon this king's attack and he says, uh, and this great king came against it and besieged it. And building great siege works against it. You, you see the, the strength of an army coming around this city and building up and, and bringing all its strength against this small city. And when we think of that, we go, it's an obvious thing that's going to happen. They should just surrender because there's no way against a great king, uh, a small city can be able to stand. Verse 15 Uh, But there was found in it, in this small city, a poor, wise man. Poor, wise man. Um, We find him to be insignificant. He's not a rich man. Uh, It's funny, uh, when you get riches, people will listen to you. If you don't have them, people will dismiss you. That's the way it is. People will look at you and... uh, and whether you have wisdom or not, they look at you in your poverty and they'll say, well, if you were smarter, if you were worth listening to, you would be richer. It just It's a math problem here. We, we can see these things. You're not worth listening to. But this is what it says. He says you have this uh, powerful king coming against this small city. Uh, In verse 15, but there was found in it a poor wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. By his wisdom. Uh, He he doesn't give us a description of how. People have speculated if he's talking about a specific uh, time in history. But the idea here is this, that that one poor man, somehow by strategy, by doing some small things in wisdom, was able to save the city from the powerful king. 
What an amazing thing. Uh, and really reminds us that wisdom wins. I want to tell you that uh, this wisdom that wins is what God put into place in creation. Put into place. That God is uh, the one in charge of wisdom. That He is the one who set up the rules. He is the one who is, uh, if anything is wise, it came from Him. He is the one. And so we see this, and we see that this wisdom from this poor man delivered the city. But then it says this at the end of verse 15, yet no one remembered that poor man. Even in great wisdom, even in wisdom that would save the day, uh, he's overlooked. He's overlooked. And in uh, bringing this judgment of wisdom winning in verse uh, 16, it says, But I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of ruler uh, of a ruler among fools. Uh, I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that um, sounds like politics in America right there, huh? The shouting among fools, right? Uh, having a, a meeting, <laughs> political meeting. I look at this and I go, um, once again, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us some conflicting things. That wisdom wins, but you're still going to be overlooked. That poverty uh, is many times that people don't listen to people who are poor, even if they're wise. Uh, and yet it's valuable. Yet there's value in that. That's something for us to pursue. Wisdom that we would be able to see. And uh, he says, you know, in the end, wisdom wins. In the end, wisdom wins. Verse 18 concludes uh, this chapter, and he says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. I want to tell you, that's true for a country. That's true for your household. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, meaning wisdom is better than your own power, your own arsenal, your own stockpile. Wisdom is better. I want to go back and I want to bring, bring up one point. Quiet wisdom. Quiet wisdom. Uh, we uh, have grown to treasure around here a quiet church. I, I know uh, this pastor's tempted to be loud and proud, to talk about the greatness of myself and this church. I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I, I want us to, uh, you know, publicize our attendance or our giving, or I, I want us to somehow uh, talk about how the, the children's ministry is better than any other place you could go, and our youth ministry is better than any place you could ever go, and we have a greater history than anybody else has. I, I'd love for us to sit around and be loud and proud together. But over and over again, as you look to the Scripture, He calls us to quietly follow Him. Quietly follow Him. And 
It's interesting in this particular setting, he, he talks about this, this wisdom and quietness. Um, who should you listen to? Who should you listen to? I want to tell you, most of the time, we listen to the one who's shouting the loudest. We, we, we choose to identify and to listen to the one who is shouting the loudest. The one that has the most marketing material, right? The one who is fighting for our time and our attention and our business. Those are the ones that we listen to. And yet, uh, that's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. It's us, in this situation, in this example, it's for us to be able to identify in the midst of a small city that quiet, poor man with wisdom, to be able to listen to one and to be able to identify what is true wisdom and what is just the shouting of fools. Lastly, and it seems out of place here, uh, but it's not. It's an important um, warning for us. At the end of verse 18, it says, but one sinner destroys much good. One sinner destroys destroys much good you get this picture that uh, sin is a landmine right that the the whole area can be beautiful the whole the whole place can be safe but one sinner can blow the whole thing up one sinner and this idea that uh, you know put those things together wisdom and one sinner If you will listen to the one sinner, if you will follow the fleshly one, if you will listen to the loudest voice, it says it'll ruin much good. That's the problem with, uh, for us living, doing what we think is best. We try to build things, we try to organize things, and and add brick upon brick, and we, we're, we're working really hard, and it's really coming together. But then, in a weak moment, in a fleshly uh, listening to the shouting of fools, to listen, listening to someone who identify, has self-identified themselves by who they are as a sinner, not as one who is wise, it'll blow the whole thing up. It'll ruin much. And this picture... For us is that wisdom wins, but be careful. Even just one sinner destroys much good. So as we come to the end of our time this morning, I want to give you three things for us to remember. First one is this. There's never a sure bet. There's never a sure bet. You may size things up and you may uh, feel really uh, confident. They're the strongest. They're the smartest. They're the richest. They're the most intelligent. And you say, I know that they're the one. I want to tell you, never a sure bet. Uh, in humility, we should always consider what is the Lord doing? Uh, there's never a sure bet. Secondly, I would say this. Search for true wisdom. Search for it. Value it. Uh, we, we do like power, we do like riches, we do like intelligence. And we think because if we have those, or if the person we're listening to has those, we're going to be on the winning team. And the scripture tells us something different. Wisdom 
uh, is the thing that we need. Wisdom is the thing we should search after. Lastly, um, as last thing, uh, as we should remember as we consider this passage, to know this, that the unseen hand is not the unknown hand to us. The unseen hand is not the unknown hand. We, we may not see God's hand come and move things around. He doesn't roll out the blueprint before us of His plan. But just because we don't see His hand, just because we don't see the blueprint, it's not unknown to us. Why? Because we know the Bible. That God has uh, sent His Son Jesus and graciously extended the hand to us, the hand of life eternal. This is what we take comfort in. This is what we are anchored to in this confusing and sometimes frustrating life. He is the one. The unseen hand is not the unknown hand to us. Please join with me in prayer. God, uh, we rejoice that uh, even though life is confusing and life seems meaningless and life uh, doesn't always add up to our own math that we put together, God, that we can trust you. That you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus. That he would be the one to uh, fit us for heaven, to to cleanse us that we might be a part of your family, that we could be adopted as sons, daughters, full heirs of all that you have. God, we rejoice uh, that you have done for us that what we could not do for ourselves, that you have freed us uh, from being limited to life under the sun. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself and your church, I pray in Jesus' name. I'd ask that the men uh, who are going to help me with serve communion would come and make ready the table. This morning, uh, this table is a reminder to you that there's hope in Jesus Christ. I'm always, uh, it's always fascinating to me uh, that everyone's going through things in their own life. Everyone has a different life. Everyone is struggling with things, sometimes small, but sometimes large. And th- this idea that we can do it on our own is a joke. It's a joke. Uh, this idea that says that we don't need a Savior. I can save myself. I can be good enough. I can be powerful enough to save myself. It, it-, it doesn't make sense. Uh, we sang a song earlier uh, about Jesus, about how marvelous it was. Uh, that he came and did for us, that he, that that what he did was this incredible act of love, and it's not just that he did, but that we get a part. That because of his love for us, that we have a part. This is what we celebrate. This this is what we remember, is that Jesus died for sinners like you and like me, that we would have meaning and purpose and eternal life. This is our confidence today. This time is a time of remembrance. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to participate, no matter what church you're a part of. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I hope you are listening today. I hope you use these moments to consider your own place before the Lord.
we'll serve everyone. And then after we're done, we'll all partake together as we remember the Lord. we come to the time where we partake the bread song Zach was playing and my song shall ever be this idea that we would remember what the Lord has done on our behalf is something that we need to keep coming back to keep remembering that we are not here today walking in self-confidence but that we are confident because Jesus Christ did it for us, that which we could not do. Jesus was with his disciples. He gave them this command. He gave them this picture. He took the bread, he broke it. He, giving thanks, he explained to them that this was his body broken for them. We do this this morning, remembering the body of our Lord broken on our behalf.
We like to think that sin is no big deal, that we make mistakes, everyone makes mistakes, that it was just a slip, it was an accident. And yet, in Adam and Eve's first sin, an animal died. In the Old Testament, over and over again, they brought sacrifice as a picture of the severity of sin and the payment that must be paid. Tells us in the scripture that about the shedding of blood and the remission of sins, and then Jesus went to the cross and he shed his own blood. That time uh, where he was with the disciples once again, and he took the cup also, and he said, This is the covenant I'm making, the new covenant I'm making with you, uh, the shedding of my blood. We do this this morning remembering the blood of Jesus. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for your kind, merciful, costly gift of your son, Jesus. That you sent him uh, that we might have life. While we were dead in our sins, you gave us Jesus. God, we uh, want to live in light of that. We want to be mindful of that. We don't want to forget the gift of your son. God, do your work in your church. Help us rejoice in the gospel. God, thank you uh, for this time of remembrance. Thank you for your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. As you leave, uh, you can participate. We take an offering for those who are in need in our place. We do have some needs, so we'd ask that you would participate. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.